Hello, welcome to the second episode of ABC Bite Size, a sub-series of the Anarchist Book Club, in which we aim to give overviews with key quotes of history books in Spanish that haven't been translated into English and which we think might be of interest. If you think this is a good idea and can contribute from other source languages, then please get in touch with us either by email abcwithdannyandjim at gmail.com, Twitter at abcdannyandjim or Facebook. Today I'm going to be talking about La Matanza del Cuartel Carlos Marx, The Massacre at the Carlos Marx Barracks by Agustin Guillemón, published by Columnia in 2020. If you read Spanish and Catalan, Columnia is a wonderful publisher dedicated to social history and anarchism. Agustin Guillemón is one of the most important historians working on Spanish anarchism today and the most prolific. AK Press have published translations of two of his most significant books, Ready for Revolution and Insurrection, The Bloody Events of May 1937 in Barcelona. The Massacre at the Carlos Marx Barracks is a short book which works as a kind of appendix to Insurrection. It details the investigation into the murder of 12 anarchists during the Barcelona May Days. In the book, Guillemot also discusses relevant anarchist newspaper articles and a speech by the prominent anarchist Federico Monsen. For the purposes of this recording, however, I focus exclusively on his treatment of the investigation into the murders. If you would like a transcript of this recording, please get in touch. On the 8th of May 1937, 12 corpses were left by an ambulance on the road between Serrañola and Bellaterra near Barcelona. The bodies showed signs of having been tortured before being shot in the forehead or in the face. Ten were subsequently identified. They were all members of the libertarian movement who had been arrested near the Carlos Marx barracks during the so-called May Days. Of the two bodies that were never identified, one was that of a young man, around 18 years old, on whose blue shirt were stitched in red the letters CNT, marking him out as a member of the Confederación Nacional del Trabajo, the National Confederation of Labour, the anarcho-syndicalist organisation. In this short work, Agustín Guillemón explains the circumstances of the victim's arrest, the dumping of their bodies, and the abortive investigation that followed. Before summarising the book's findings, it is perhaps necessary to provide some background information. The May Days began when an armed police operation against the worker-controlled telephone exchange in the centre of Barcelona prompted an anarchist uprising in defence of the revolution, which had begun at the outset of the Civil War in July 1936 with the suppression of the military rising in the city. By May 1937, many of the features of that revolution, such as worker control of public order and of food supply, had been eroded. Chief among the cheerleaders for this process of counter-revolution was the PESUC, the Partit Socialista Unificat de Catalunya, the United Socialist Party of Catalonia, the Catalan branch of the Third International. In the first third of 1937, tensions between the opponents and defenders of the revolutionary process had escalated, with the libertarian youth and its press vocal in its determination to resist the counter-revolution. Within a day of the fighting breaking out on the 3rd of May, the anarchists were in an extremely strong position, with the forces of the counter-revolution reduced to a handful of redoubts in the city centre, including the headquarters and barracks of the PESUC. 
Nevertheless, from this advantageous position, the anarchists were persuaded to vacate the streets by the manoeuvrings of their own leadership and to release the enemies they had detained during the street fighting. Once the dust had settled, it became clear that their opponents had been far more ruthless, and it was in this context that the twelve anarchist bodies were discovered. It is common to read about these disfigured corpses in accounts of the Maydays, which are normally described as being those of libertarian youth members. The libertarian youth was a section of the anarchist movement in Catalonia. Most of its adherents were also members of the CNT and of the Federación Anarquista Ibérica, the Iberian Anarchist Federation, the FAI. The identification of the twelve corpses as libertarian youth members could lead to two assumptions. Firstly, that all the victims were young, and secondly, that they were targeted specifically for their membership of the libertarian youth. Both of these assumptions would be incorrect. In spite of its name, the libertarian youth was not made up only of young anarchists, and it would not refuse membership on the grounds of age. The second assumption would carry more weight if the victims had been captured in a raid on a libertarian youth centre, but Guillemont shows that their detention was much more opportunist. In fact, it is unlikely that all of the victims were libertarian youth members, and from Guillemont's account, it would appear that this widely reported conclusion was based on generalising from the early identification of libertarian youth members among the bodies. What of the perpetrators? The Carlos Marx barracks had been occupied since the beginning of the Civil War by the Pesuk. By the May days, the party had established itself as the principal enemy of the CNT and of the revolution in Barcelona. The barracks were situated near the centre of the city, on the other side of the Parque de la Ciutadella from the Francia train station. Despite the fact that the anarchist mobilisation during the May Days had forced the counter-revolutionaries onto the defensive, in the immediate vicinity of its fortified barracks, the Pesuk was nevertheless able to make opportunist arrests of anarchist activists headed towards the city centre from the suburbs of Pobleno and Sant'Andreu, or who were unlucky enough to find themselves within snatching distance. An official investigation into the killings was opened on the 10th of May 1937 by the judge Josep Vidal Lecha. Guillemont records the testimony provided to the judge by Luis del Valle Mandeleuna that same day. Luis testified that five of the victims had left the Barcelona suburb of Sant Andreu, renamed Armonia del Palomar during the revolution, on the 4th of May, in a car headed towards the CNT headquarters in the centre of the city. He knew nothing more except that the car had supposedly been sighted with bullet holes in, in the patio of the Carlos Marx barracks. He himself had headed out in a separate car with another of the victims, Luis Carreras, alongside Antony Torres, who at the time of the testimony was in hospital, and someone called Boreedas. Approaching the barricades close to the Carlos Marx barracks, the car came under fire from individuals wearing peaked caps with red stars on them. Two of the passengers escaped, including the witness, who was wounded, while Carreras stayed behind and was arrested. On 26 of May, Vicenz Prignonosa Palomares of the pharmacy section of the Catalan government's Council of Health came to testify. He was concerned about the whereabouts of his colleague, Santos Carre Poblet, who had been missing from work since the 7th of May, and had read about the bodies dumped on the road in the newspapers. Shown the photographs of the corpses, he was able to identify Santos, who he confirmed was a member of the CNT and was married with four children. That same day, Carme Corciales on Fins appeared before the judge to provide testimony. 
She was the mother of Agustí Lacheras Cosiales, who worked on the train lines. On the 4th of May, her son had gone to work at the Francis station, where he was given a rifle to keep watch over the stretch of land between the station and San Carlos Bridge, which ran over the tracks from the park to the beach. There, according to his colleagues, he was disarmed by two individuals, who told him that if he wished to recover his rifle, he must accompany them to the Carlos Marx barracks. The mother, reading about the discovery of unidentified corpses in the newspapers, had come to see whether her son was among them. She was shown a photo of the mutilated bodies and pointed out her son, Agustí. She had no idea who the murderers could be, nor what motive they could have for killing her son. She believed he was an active member of the CNT. The final testimony to be heard on the 26th of May was from Maria Cabaneas Planen. She was a medical assistant in the Deruti column and the partner of Carlos Alsamora Bernat, a volunteer in the same. They had arrived in Barcelona on leave, where they had offered their services to the Defence Committee of the city centre, on the suggestion of some comrades. On the 3rd of May, just before lunch, Carlos had popped out to see some people from the Defence Committee, telling Maria that he wouldn't be a minute. She hadn't seen him since that moment. Muñoz, from the city centre defence committee, told her that Carlos had been stationed at a barricade in front of the Franca train station from the 3rd to the 4th of May. She was able to identify the body of Carlos, who was 27 years old and originally from Cuba. On the 1st of July, Maria Luisa Hungria Cucalón testified before the judge. She was the mother of Joaquín Martínez Hungria, 18 years old, born in Argentina. On the 3rd of May, Joaquin had left the house where he lived with his mother to go to work. She had not seen him since. She had begun looking for him once the fighting had stopped and it was possible to move freely around the streets. Her son Melchor was told that Joaquin had been detained by police in the Parque de la Ciutadela on the 4th of May and that on making inquiries at the Catalan Parliament, she was told that those arrested in the park had been taken to the Carlos Marx barracks. On hearing about the discovery of the corpses from her son Melchor, she had come to testify. On being shown photographs and clothing, she was able to identify her son, Joaquin. The investigation into the killings was absorbed into the broader operation undertaken into the so-called clandestine cemeteries, which had been opened in order to investigate the instances of violence and expropriation undertaken in the first months of the revolution, and as a consequence of which, hundreds of revolutionaries were arrested over the course of 1937. In other words, this example of counter-revolutionary violence was folded into an investigation into revolutionary violence. When the rep- operation as a whole was finally closed in December 1937, the case of the 12 murdered anarchists was shelved along with it. A few provisional conclusions can be drawn as to what Augustine Guillemont's valuable bi- work on this case contributes to our understanding of Stalinist violence during the May Days. Firstly, it seems clear that the anarchists were detained because they strayed into the wrong place at the wrong time, rather than than as a planned attack on the libertarian youth as such. This is worth pointing out because there are other instances in which there is no doubt that the Pesuk and other counter-revolutionary forces did target the libertarian youth specifically. Pedro Tufraberta and Alfredo Martinez Hungria, members of the regional committee of the Catalan Libertarian Youth, were both murdered in separate instances in the aftermath of the May Days. Given that Alfredo Martinez Hungria was the brother of Joaquin, identified among the corpses of the twelve anarchists, it is possible that these killings were connected. 
Personally, I'm inclined to think this was more likely a tragic coincidence, and that Alfredo Martinez was targeted specifically because of his closeness to the dissident Communist Party, the PUM. So we have to consider the possibility that the Twelve were tortured and killed merely because they happened to be anarchists who had fallen into the power of their enemies, and not because of any particular tendency that they represented or any strategy on the part of the Stalinists who killed them. Reading Guillemot's book, I perceived echoes of other instances of police violence against rebellious or racialized victims. Pesuk officials and agents, members of the security or armed forces, were confronted by an uprising that frightened them and made them feel justified in employing any means against it. In that context, when anarchists fell into their power at the Carlos Marx barracks, they gave free rein to hatred and sadism. Of the 12 victims, the 10 identified anarchists were Juan Calduch Novella, 20 years old, Francisco Bibiana Martinez, 27, Cesar Fernandez Pacheco, 24, Juan Antonio Romero Martinez, 25, Luis Carreras Orquin, 19, Jose Villena Albarola, 33, Agustí Lacheras Cosiales, 25, Carlos Alzamora Bernat, 27, Santos Carre Poblet, 30, and Joaquin Martinez Hungria, 18. Of the two unidentified bodies, one was deemed to be between 55 and 60 years old, the other 18. As Guillemot says by way of conclusion to his book, their crime was to have been libertarians. Their murderers were the Stalinists of the Carlos Marx barracks. <laughs>